This is Suno India Production. You can now listen to all our episodes on our Android and iPhone app. Download it now. Hi, this is Grishma Kuttar and this is episode 12 of Dispatches from Manipur. Through this podcast, I intend to bring out ground reports about the continuing ethnic violence that has gripped Manipur from the first week of May. The first visit of an opposition leader from a national party in two months of violence was met with chaos and confusion. Rahul Gandhi's two-day trip to Manipur was to start with a visit to Churachandpur, which is where the violence started on May 3rd. But on his way, his convoy was stopped at Bishnupur, where there was a mix of opposition to his visit but also support. A section of the public, along with officers from the government, stopped his convoy while others urged the convoy to be let through. This difference of opinion was within the Meite community, as Bishnupur is a district where Meites are the majority. Many questioned the motive of the state government in stopping a national leader from speaking to the people, as Congress cadre who had gathered in large numbers to welcome Rahul Gandhi were seen fighting with the state forces. Eventually, Rahul Gandhi had to go back and take a chopper to reach Churachandpur, where he met with internally displaced persons. This was in the backdrop of firing that had started at 5:30 a.m. in a village called El Tangnom, which is on the border of Kangpopi. The Assam Rifles came under attack from armed Meites at this village and at El Munlai in the first half of the day. Three Meites were killed during the firing. In the afternoon, official sources told me that Bethel, a cookie village situated at the border, also came under attack. A major portion of Bethel was already burned down by Meites early in June. Rahul Gandhi is expected to visit Moirang in the middle of all of this today, an area which has seen a lot of violence in the past months. It'll be close to two months since the ethnic violence began in Manipur. In the past few days, the CM has made announcements that they were trying to bring peace to the state through various initiatives, though his own ministers wrote to the PM expressing their discontentment about the state of affairs in the state. The Kukizomi community has explicitly said that they will not engage in any dialogue unless the state government is held accountable for its role in the violence. In the middle of all of this, the state government is trying different ways to portray that there is normalcy. I spoke to Akash Hasan, an independent journalist who visited Manipur this month, about what he observed while he was here and how he looks at these attempts by the government to portray normalcy in Manipur without addressing fundamental issues. Uh, hi Akash, thanks a lot for talking to me. So I felt like to bring you in so that we can understand the most crucial aspect of this violence which is displacement better. uh which is why you know i felt like since you also you know visited manipur recently i thought it would kind of make sense for you know people listening in to hear your perspective about how this displacement has been like so based on your you know visit to uh, uh manipur can you like kind of share about you know what is it that you saw and how is it that you feel this has affected you know the people Uh, hello grishma thanks for having me uh, on your podcast uh, the situation in manipur uh, and describe, describing it how i saw it is is uh, really worrisome uh, people are uh, people have been thousands of people have been displaced uh, out of their homes uh, 
we know or hundred or more have been killed, but the exact figure still remains uh, not clear. Uh, in Manipur, I, I saw a multi-layered uh, problem. It's a very complex issue which uh, cannot be explained in uh, that one community is fighting another and that's it. It's it's. I think, in my opinion, what I saw and uh, after my interviews with people, it's a layered problem, much complex and needs to be addressed at different levels. Uh, but on the on the aspect of how it has affected people, uh, it is completely devastating. You know, I, I have passed from the areas where I saw uh, entire villages raised down. Um, there is there is no sign of human life. Uh, all the houses have been burned down, and I could only see their charred debris. Uh, and then there comes the aspect of where have these people gone? I mean, many have been killed, but there are these people who are living in these uh, makeshift refugee camps, uh, which have been, these are either uh, government school buildings uh, or other uh, these infrastructure, for example, uh, some uh, unfinished building, which was supposed to be for a hospital or like that. The, the condition in these refugee camps is is very dire. Uh, at some places, the the refugee camps the, are slightly better. The people are having access to food, medicine, uh, and uh, water. And uh, places are also comparatively hygienic. But at places, uh, things are not that great. And I have been talking to these these uh, displaced people. And for example, they are putting up. 20 people in a small room uh, which which can normally fit two people you know in a, in a normal situation uh, they also are complaining about uh, the quality of food uh, water is one of the big issues they are they are facing and I, I spoke to these volunteers who have been helping these displaced people and they told me that how it's it's becoming difficult for them to arrange water for example and while they have been uh, able to manage uh, things for uh, these displaced people for uh, for some time for uh, almost two months now they are wondering that what will we do in the future i mean uh, they are running dry off i mean they are out of supplies now and at some point it will be really difficult for them to 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 basically uh, handle these people to 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 cater them to provide them food medicine and uh, to to basically you no, know, keep the hygiene, keep the atmosphere hygienic for them. And then uh, there are these children who have uh, who have missed the, who are missing the schools, and they are in the refugee camps, uh, in these displaced camps. And then they're also wondering that what to do do with their life. They are the ones who are suffering more, not only in, in physically, they're also it's impacting them mentally. I could see these uh, young kids uh, in a very uh, a very bad shape and situation. Uh, despair was uh, quite evident on their face. They have seen violence and they were completely they they shook by violence and they are they basically also need uh, help not only in terms of uh, improving their living standard and sending back their to their houses homes. They also need help with the, what they have seen. Um, then there is chaos on the streets. Uh, I mean, state is more or less missing at most in most parts. The control of state seems missing. There is kind of anarchy. People are out there on roads and they are managing and deciding uh, what happens. There are I, I saw, you know, for example, uh, traveling from Imphal to Churachandpur, 
I saw women, uh, hundreds of women on the roads. Uh, I'm I mean, outside every village. Uh, they're sitting on the roads, blocking, uh, you know, any movement. And if a, if an occasional vehicle passes by, they they check these vehicles. And for example, if uh, you are in a Methi community area, th- these women check if there's a if there's any person from other community, or if these vehicles are carrying supplies to uh, other community. And then uh, these people are met with, you know, they they are uh, some are beaten up. I, I saw, uh, I remember this one vehicle which was, I think, uh, heading towards Chulachanpur, and these women suspected that they are carrying supplies to the other side, and they they thrashed the driver, they they beat him up. I I had to run from there because it felt like a very dangerous situation. Um, and then there is, uh, I I don't, I don't know. I mean, about every part, I was not able to visit entire uh, Manipur region, but uh, Imphal, Chulachanpur, and few more places, it seems complete chaos, and there is mistrust. This, I mean, people are really uh, there is a lot of mistrust among people for each other. Uh, they're uh, they're saying that we cannot we cannot uh, basically trust what other people are saying. Uh, and in this kind of situation, there's a lot of anger and people are also peddling a lot of fake news, which actually also leads them to more violence. And while things might uh, things seem slightly peaceful during the daytime, in the night, uh, I, I came across, you know, I, I could hear the, these bangs or gunshots or violence. And every day something keeps happening. There is always some, some sort of violence. Right. No, which is why I feel like, you know, you would, since, you know, you're also from Kashmir yourself, you would kind of understand, uh, you know, more than me, uh, because for me, this reporting is a first time, you know, even in even reporting in a conflict zone, the others that I have reported in aren't similar. They were very different. But in this uh, region, that mistrust and distrust that you mentioned and that chaos that you mentioned, the effect that that would have on the displaced people, especially children, like you mentioned, right, is something right. that I've been kind of thinking about since I got here. Many of the young, I met quite a few young people, young students who've been victims of violence themselves. You know, some students and some young people, uh, you know, who are working, who were working in Imphal and other parts who faced violence. I met with some of them who, you know, who are constantly, I can see that they're in trauma. Some of them have left Manipur because they are not able to kind of, you know, like face the fact that every day there is uncertainty, you know, every day there is talk about firing. Some of them have undergone, like have been through like a lot of violence where they were mobbed, they were beaten up. So this, in this kind of a situation, right, young people beat students, or those who are not able to work anymore because they've been displaced from their workplaces, their situation and, you know, their community, each community is trying to support in whatever way possible, but there is, there seems to be no respite in terms of like the central government is not doing much, not doing anything for that matter, nor is the state government. So, you know, when you interacted with young people or when, even when you were able to see, you know, young students, how is it that you, you know, you kind of analyzed Moving forward, you know, the, 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 uh, the state government is saying that they want to resume schools. But from the Meite community, there have been statements saying that, you know, that is that is something that they are not really for because the state is in a bad situation. 
many of the cookie uh, people from the cookie community are like they cannot even go back to their schools if th those are an imphal or they can't go back to their colleges if they if they are an imphal yet the state government is trying to push for restarting schools to kind of bring about a sense of normalcy but we know that normalcy isn't present right so kind of equating this and you know uh, the the kind of situations the that you might have seen while reporting from kashmir how do you think that communities can you know cope better in this in this kind of an uncertainty because there's literally nothing you know nothing is moving nothing is happening since i've been here i've been here close to a month now from the time that i came here till now there has been no change literally no change Right. Uh, so the communities are coping in their own, you know, kind of pocket. But I feel like there's been nothing. Nothing has moved. Right. Uh, I would like to uh, mention here the role of these volunteers. Uh, I mean, in these kind of situations, uh, for example, when you mentioned Kashmir or other places where we have seen uh, violent situations and tensions, uh, these volunteers and communities play a uh, play a very important role uh, in manipur as well i saw these young volunteers students and uh, otherwise as well uh, coming together and helping these displaced people in whatever way they can and that's making a really big difference that is providing these people some relief and they are trying to at least bring some kind of normalcy there but the problem here is i mean these volunteers are working in their own communities uh you know when returning when i returned back from uh, manipur to delhi the unfortunate part is uh, the amount of violence which is still there and the uh, the tensions which are still there uh, it's it's missing in the mainstream media the mainstream media in new delhi has not been able to portray that it's not reflecting it right it's not reflecting the mainstream media has failed to basically uh, portray the real picture of manipur uh and the thing is there is huge mistrust and distrust i'm wondering that how will they open schools the immediate need i think is that government has to immediately uh, immediately follow a multi pronged strategy in this kind of situation we need to i mean government and every other stakeholder in manipur needs to there need to be confidence building measures which will bring which will one lower the tensions first and second build some trust and then after you can think of uh, you know interactions between the two communities and figuring out their differences and then things can move on i mean opening up schools at this time it seems completely bizarre because uh, yeah. the situation on the ground is completely different there is mistrust to the level uh, among both communities that they are ready to kill each other there is right. so much anger uh and because there's also continuing violence right there's continuing instances of firing there's continuing instances of boundaries being breached so at okay. such a situation for the government to say that hey you know what we are reopening schools wherever you are just come back you know just go to the nearest government school and like enroll yourself so that's also kind of creating like more anxiety among parents because they are like what if the storm starts again how do our students not how do our kids not miss out so there yeah. is double anxiety one is that this continuing situation of distrust like you're saying but there's also this anxiety that almost all parents i speak to have that their children are going to miss out absolutely and the fact which we have to uh, bear in mind is that the violence in manipur has not stopped 
I mean, every day uh, we hear incidents of violence in one part or another. Uh, and we are still in a situation where both the communities are perhaps bracing themselves for something more. I mean, we see uh, these armed volunteers on both sides. Uh, I, I saw these fort, these uh, bunkers being created. What is that hap what's, hap what's happening around there is that people are, they are of the opinion that the violence can erupt anytime soon and we need to be better prepared to fight. And in this kind of situation, uh, opening schools or anything else, you know, which which symbolizes normalcy, is is completely bizarre. The point is, uh, immediate and immediate measure, measures need to be taken at multiple levels to uh, lower down tensions first in Manipur. The situation is really going to get out of hand if government's approach remains the same. One, they have been denying denying on on level of violence and second there has been um this misrepresentation in the mainstream media about what's happening on the ground uh, so in in my opinion uh the, it's immediately needed that civil society government at different levels intervenes and brings down the tensions first and then obviously uh you know with negotiations peace is possible anywhere far from bringing normalcy there was a circular passed yesterday by the Biransing government saying that, uh, you know, the no work, no pay circular, saying that if you're not working or you're not reporting to your offices where you're supposed to work, you will, right. your pay will be deduct deducted and they are tracking it down from May 3rd. So far from doing what you're saying, which is, you know, kind of bring back some form of conversation or whatever it is required to bring the situation under control, they're doing everything to aggravate right. it. You know what I mean? Uh, but I'm wondering that uh, in Manipur, uh, and you have covered Manipur better than me, and you have interacted with uh, people in, in, in different areas. You have traveled across Manipur. Uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. The people from the both communities are not even able to, uh, you know, you know, just speak to each other, just face each other. Yeah, they're they, not. They're, they're like, not. I mean, the, I, I was speaking to some volunteers um, in Chirachanpur, and they said that we find this as a forced marriage and there is no love lost between two communities that's the level they are at yeah absolutely i was like how is it that virain singh you know that's the thing right the narrative that the government is trying to play is that hey you didn't come for work we're not going to pay you it's like trying to pretend like you know people can breach boundaries and go into the other part right now it is separated like you have witnessed and i have witnessed on the yeah. hill districts are people from the Kukizomi communities. In the valley are people from Meite communities. So it's not like they can travel across for work. For example, if a Kukizomi, uh, if a person from Kukizomi communities is found in, uh, let's say, Imphal, which is Meite dominated, mm. uh, what will happen to him, her? And same is the case if a Meite person is found in in uh, Kukizomi or in, like let's say Churachanpur or around areas, what will happen to them? To him. Yeah, also, like in this situation, right, most of the government offices of the State Department are located in Imphal, almost all of them. So in this situation, the the the, the onus of reporting back to work is in Imphal because all of the, uh, you know, of, of, of the offices of multiple departments of the state government, it functions out of Imphal. There are very few, like there is nothing in KPI, Kankopi. In Churachanpur also, there's nothing connected with the state government. No, no, no offices, you know, of the different departments. They're all in the capital, which is Imphal, right? 
so yeah like you're saying neither way can people travel and nobody can i mean it's it's out of question right now people are just like you would have said people are just figuring out how to protect themselves right Absolutely. so how was it that they will you know like like for the past few weeks two weeks i've been seeing complete anxiety that parents are facing about their children's education after that announcement came about schools being reopened then university students are facing the same sort of situation and now it is work and that's also very important right because work if you work you are able to sustain your family you are able to like agrarian hill districts are completely agrarian people have not been able to do agrarian work which is you know agriculture within imphal things are bad so people are not able to work in imphal as well so nowhere people are being people can work right i absolutely understand there is fatigue among people and work is important the school of children is important uh, students need to be in their schools uh, than the refugee camps but the point i'm trying to make here is that you can the government can forcibly bring people back to the normal but is that the real normalcy what about exactly the, absolutely yeah what about the differences they have and is government basically putting people in harm's way because they know that there are differences and there there is anger and distrust on both sides they're still pushing them to to sort of normalcy which isn't there what about these underlying tensions that will mean that it will erupt anytime even if people return back to work you haven't the government hasn't addressed the basic problem for which so many people have died for which so many villages have been burned down and for which so much violence has there been on the streets of uh, manipur uh thank you thank you for speaking to me akash and uh, uh thanks a lot for having me grishma and uh, i i i i will continue to listen to your podcast from the ground these are i mm-hmm. i opening and actually uh, give nuance about ground and uh, under undercover the basically uh, unravel the multi-layered problem which manipur is facing right now